once the world was full of wonders, but it belongs to humans now. We creatures have all but disappeared. Demons, vampires and witches, hiding in plain sight, fearful of discovery, ill at ease even with each other. Once again, to a discovery of witches, demons, and vampires, the podcast, a weekly discussion on each episode of the television series, A Discovery of Witches, uh, which can be found in various places, in the, in, at least in the United States, uh, and maybe Canada and Mexico, I have no idea, but at least in the United States, it can be found in Shudder, AMC, and Sundance television uh, stations. And then in the UK, I believe it can be found in Sky One and Sky Max. Uh, but uh, again, uh, our Brit- British uh, folk would know. Uh, wherever else it's found, like in Australia, New Zealand, or where I have no idea. But either way, I'm sure you folks can discover and find out where it is. Uh, the show stars Teresa Palmer and Matthew Good as the leads. And um, also's trilogy are the novels the show is based off of written by deborah harkness and we do have some news from about and from deborah harkness and her affiliates and we'll read that uh very soon uh tonight we're here to discuss episode two of season three of the series uh but before we do some house cleaning the first off is we are part of the dark discussions news network which is www.darkdiscussions.com it's a website that has multiple podcasts including the dark discussions podcast which is the podcast that started it all from 11 years ago where we discuss a genre movie weekly uh also there is news articles and various other things on darkdiscussions.com or you can just email us directly at darkdiscussions at aol.com or go to darkdiscussions.com and press the contact us link which will bring up a box that you can fill in just like an email and we will read your emails on the podcast we do have a couple of emails tonight that we will read uh from some of our listeners and welcome back uh to our little world here on the internet uh, for folks who are interested, I wanted to mention uh, something I read said in a prior episode of a different podcast on the network. Uh, basically, um, there's a podcast, and I won't name the podcast because it's a political podcast, and therefore it could cause um, issues uh, because people may or may not like the individual that does that podcast. But that individual on that podcast said something that was really good once, which is they uh, – discovered a article that talked about podcast listenership and they call it a shelf. And for most people who listens to podcasts, they have a shelf of five or so podcasts that they listen to and that's it. Um, And as we know, there's thousands, maybe even millions of podcasts out there. And he wanted to, uh, it's a man, so I just admitted that. Uh, He wanted to say thank you to all his listeners who chose him 
and his podcast is one of the five podcasts that we would listen to weekly or daily or whatever. And therefore, I wanted to say, and I'm sure our co-host here would like to say the same thing about you folks who have come to join us here on a discovery of witches, demons, and vampires. Because again, there's only so many hours in a week and there's only so many podcasts the general listener listens to and you've chosen us and we appreciate it greatly. You can also donate to the podcast. Uh, Patreon button is on the podcast website, darkdiscussions.com. And if you want to, that would be great. Uh, again, we get no money. Uh, we just do this uh, for free uh, and for fun. Um, now, but we do have uh, expenses like uh, the hosting fees and all that. Either way, uh, let's get into who we are. So uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. And with me in the state, I mean, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? Going good. Excellent. And in the state of Missouri? Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, how's it going? Relaxing. Excellent. And in the province of Alberta, Canada? It's Sean. Hey, everyone. Sean, how's it going? I'm doing good. I hope everyone else is as well. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so, uh, a couple of news items first about a discovery of witches. Uh, we do have some posts uh, that came up on um, Deborah Harkness's website, uh, or Facebook page, I should say, and uh, Deborah Harkness, for folks who are curious, once again, she is the writer of the novels that the show is based on. And uh, we have two or two posts. One is from Deborah Harkness herself, and the other is, I believe, from uh, Jill Hugh or Jill Ho, uh, H-O-U-G-H, who is her assistant. Uh, so let's talk about uh, these first. The first one is from Deborah, and I'll read it directly from her post. And she goes, Dear Ones, the past few weeks have been a time of change for me as after several months of feeling unwell, I've been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. I recently had surgery to remove the tumor and I'll be undergoing treatment for months to come. I've been blessed with incredible doctors, a skilled and caring nursing team, and my family and friends are helping me get through the day-to-day -day process of living with cancer. Though the next six months will be challenging, I am hopeful about my prognosis. I'm urging all of my readers to listen to their bodies and familiarize themselves with the symptoms of ovarian cancer. And I will interject there and save uh, the symptoms of any cancer, to be honest. Um, if something just doesn't feel right for you, be persistent and see a gynecologist or other doctor as soon as possible. Thank you in advance for your support and understanding as I take time to heal and embark on the next stage of my journey. You may not see me posting as much, but I will be checking in as often as I'm able and look forward to seeing your post. Love, Deb. Our no. thoughts go out to her, for sure. Very yeah, much. I, believe, I believe she's only a few years older than most of us. Uh, she's like 53 or 54 years old. Uh, so she's not uh, an old woman by any means. Um, so yeah, yeah, that is uh, very unfortunate news. Um, I would concur if you ever feel anything that's not right, you most certainly go to a doctor. Uh, no matter, you know, she mentioned uh, ovarian cancer and gynecologist, but any any type of illness. Um, that's how uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, find out about how they get ill. For example, uh, an elderly friend of mine um, wasn't feeling good, 
uh, in the chest stomach area for for months. He just thought it was pulls and injuries and whatever. And sure enough, um, he had a cancer, and uh, it was in the final stages. And he, he once it was diagnosed, he was gone in two months. Um, my mother, she actually uh, had some neck pains and. She went and she finally checked out the neck pains, and they found out it was metastasized cancer from another area of her body, and, and she was gone in three, two years from cancer. So uh, anytime you feel a pain or something like that, uh, don't wait. And also, um, a neighbor of mine, he actually um, was just diagnosed with prostate cancer, and yet he could have had that prevented um, because he just didn't go to his primary care physician. Uh, he didn't bother doing checkups. So always have checkups as well. Yeah, I want to reiterate that because going to the doctor is the first most important thing. I didn't go to a doctor till into my 40s because I didn't like needles. Um, by the time I went to the doctor, I had one issue that was causing me problems. And a couple of years later, I had a heart issue. So, But I was ready for that one. When I felt weird, I went to see the heart doctor. Uh, you always want to, you know, your body best. If you feel different than you did, you should go see a doctor for sure. Uh, well, wise, wise words from Barrett. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, Jill Ho, I have no, I'm going to say Hugh, H-O-U-G-H. So Jill Hugh, uh, she wrote under Deborah Harkness's Facebook page and she said this, uh, welcome to the wonderful world of Deborah Harkness in the All Souls series. I would personally like to welcome all of our new friends and followers. My name is Kat, and I am Deb's assistant. All right, so uh, this must, be, even though it's the, it says to send stuff to Jill, it must be another assistant named Kat that actually wrote this. Uh, she wrote, if you missed Deb's announcement from last week, you can read it here, which I just did. If you would like to contact Deb personally, you can email her at info at com. I'm sure I don't have to spell that because anybody who's listening to this is probably a fan of Deborah Harkness and uh, her books. And then it, she wrote, uh, and someone from her team will pass your message along. Or you can send letters and cards to Office of Deborah Harkness, care of Jill Hugh, H-O-U-G-H, 2050 South Cedar, as in the tree, street, number 329, Imlay City, I-M-L-A-Y, Michigan, MI, I think that's Michigan, 48444 in the US of A. As she embarks on this journey, Deb will not be alone. We will all be there holding her hand. And um, all right, that's pretty much it. So, and then there's just some other information about fan mail and, and all this other stuff. Um, I like your question on Cedar. <laughs> it's not cooler, uh, Cedar. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I do have my Boston accent. I, I don't pronounce. I, don't, I do not pronounce my R's. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, there is a, a thing from Deborah Harkness's Shadow of Night. Also, they posted here, and it says a quote from that, and it says, "And when you think the whole world has abandoned you, I'll be there holding your hand." So, the quote. It is. So, yeah. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, yeah. So, um, obviously, um, we're we're hoping to approach Deborah Harkness again this year to see if we could get her um, on the show as an episode. And uh, obviously, we, we probably won't. 
uh, bother at this point because obviously she has much more important things to worry about. Uh, however, there is uh, a number of other people that we reached out to, and there's a chance that we will basically uh, get some interviews of some important people related to the show. Uh, we won't announce those names yet until we set those up, but uh, one of them for sure uh, said they are 100% in. Uh, but again, until they're actually on the podcast, uh, we, we can't really guarantee that. Um, we, we will probably throw those episodes, record them sometime in the next seven weeks, uh, at least at least the ones that have already committed, and um, either release them as extra episodes or release them as episodes following our um, seventh or eighth episode of season three's um, wrap up, but uh, we'll figure that out. We'll talk about all that offline. Uh, so uh, don't expect us to not just have seven more episodes uh, for season three. We may have a few more where we will have some cool interviews. We're hoping as well. Um, all right. So anybody need to add anything that I missed? Anything? I think that was pretty complete. Okay, so with that unfortunate information, um, and the reason I discovered that because I don't really check um, fan pages or or things like that on Facebook often, uh, but I know Deb loved doing weekly uh, t uh, question and answer, live question and answers, uh, and so I went over to check, and that's where poof, it just popped up like that. Um, all right, so yeah, we all wish her well. Um, we do have some emails though tonight. Uh, we did get some emails from actually uh, individuals that uh, sent us emails in the past and that I actually mentioned specifically on the podcast last week, uh, welcoming them back because we assumed that they would rejoin us and sure enough, it appears they have. Um, so let's start with uh, some of the emails. Uh, I know, Kevin, you have an email from one of our listeners. Or actually, it's Sean. I'm sorry. It's Sean, you have an email from one of our listeners. Uh, that's news to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so this is from Debbie, and she Debbie says... Debbie Ledesma. Debbie Ledesma. I didn't want to mispronounce the last name, so apologies. Yep. Um, and she just says, uh, hello, everyone. I just wanted to welcome you all back. The first podcast was interesting and informative. I'd also like to welcome the new member. Looking forward to the second podcast this week. The second episode was interesting, and I'm eager for your perspectives on it. Thank you. Best wishes, Debbie Ledesma. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate that. Yeah, Debbie was one of our biggest writers uh, last year when we were, were doing uh, season two. And so it's uh, glad that she's uh, still on listening. And uh, sure enough, uh, um, our episode from last week uh, had a huge number of, of listeners for smaller podcasts you know we're, we're not you know like kevin smith who gets like half a million people <laughs> but but uh for smaller podcasts we did pretty damn good uh and, and people like debbie uh we appreciate it uh now we do have uh two more emails uh and they're from the same person uh lila uh colmoose lila colmoose and uh we'll uh, have the big one uh that you have barrett right yep uh, so Lila says, hello, fellas. Welcome back to the third season of A Discovery of Witches. Just a few notes to try to fill in some background information to help you understand the show better. And remember, we're talking about vampires who may be domesticated, in quotes, but they are still vampires. 
One, the laws governing the vampires, witches, and demons have been in effect for hundreds and hundreds of years. They were originally set up to protect the demons, vampires, and witches from becoming discovered by us humans. The ruling to segregate the creatures has been inviolate up until now, and the distrust and hatred of the other creature groups has been cultivated. Both Knox and Joubert want to destroy the de Claremont family. Number two, Satu is a weaver like Diana. In past centuries, weavers were killed by other witches because of their distrust in the weaver's stronger powers. Diana would be in danger if the congregation found out that she was a weaver. Diana's father was likely killed because he was a weaver. Satu's life could be in danger as well. She cannot trust Knox. Weavers kept their existence secret for this reason. Three, the head of a vampire family controls that family. Baldwin is Philippe's eldest living son, and what he says goes. As head of the family and a member of the congregation, Baldwin is obligated to follow these laws or face the consequences. Baldwin and Matthew have never gotten along with each other. Matthew is Isabeau's son. Baldwin does not consider Matthew a true de Claremont and basically despises him. Splitting off to form a scion will mean that Baldwin would no longer be able to control Matthew's family. Number four, Philippe made Matthew the family assassin partly because of his blood rage. When the problem of Marcus's children's ch and grandchildren's blood rage behaviors arose, it began to cause problems in Louisiana in the 1800s. Philippe ordered Matthew to kill them all. Matthew went against Philippe's wishes and spared Marcus and anyone else whose blood rage was dormant. I am really enjoying the third season. The book, unfortunately, has had to be cut down into seven episodes, so a lot of the plot had to be discarded or changed to fit into the time schedule. So far, the changes have worked for me. I do miss Tristan Gravel, though. Peter McDonald is doing a good job. Baldwin is always a bit of an ass. <laughs> I also am liking the young man who is playing Jack. He has had to endure so much trauma from that evil bastard Benjamin. Don't mind the naysayers. There is always someone who, out who wants to be a troll. I hope this information helped a little. Lila from Nebraska. Thank you, Lila. All right. So uh, let me just read her last email here. And uh, she wrote one other. And she goes, Philip, I hope you and your family are feeling much better. Lila Cole moves so yeah she's referring to uh covid uh my family has just recovered from covid we just came out of quarantine uh yesterday uh officially they're all of us um so yeah we had a a pretty crappy first two weeks of 2022 um so yeah we, we got we got covid and uh um not that it's anybody's business but uh we, we were fully vaccinated uh three times so it's not like we were you know poo-pooing the vax just bad luck yep. um it's unfortunate so uh but yeah so we're, we're better now which is which is good uh so thank you for asking anyway uh let's talk about her email um i think she's absolutely right about uh vampires may be domesticated but they're still vampires right I mean, makes sense yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the stuff with uh, Baldwin, though, makes a lot more sense. Like, it, well, or cements a lot more ideas, right? And the, the idea that, like, to me, it feels like Matthew acts like he's the head of the family or thinks he's the head of the family, but it's Baldwin who actually is. And I could see why that would be a very divisive uh, aspect of their relationship. Well, I, and, you know, me and you, uh, Sean, we're talking offline for good couple of hours in the past couple of days about yes, this and um 
yeah, I'm I'm actually after this episode, uh, I think I'm a I'm Team Baldwin. I I, I actually uh, liked them a lot in this episode. Uh, I'll discuss why and and whatnot, um, and we'll we'll uh, talk about all that. So I agree that the Matthew kind of tries to pretend that he's alpha when <laughs> he, he he's not really. He's he's like you said he's he's not the head of the family uh and also he's kind of um becoming what i feel is uh um entitled uh a very very um um oh, what's the two words i use for to you sean yes i can't remember um reactionary and yes it makes him unpredictable exactly reactionary yeah. is exactly reactionary and impulsive impulsive yeah, yeah. it's causing yeah. him big problems because it's because of that He's getting into arguments with everybody, people that he does not need to get into arguments with, like his wife. <laughs> well, and, it, yeah. it's, and I know yeah. this is this is just my own idea and feeling, so I don't I don't think this was actually intended from the actual books or from the the show. But to me, Matthew feels much more like a villain than he does a hero, or he's like he's he worse than the villains because he cloaks himself as a hero. But really, he does a lot of villainous things, and oh. it's just that's just me. I'm not saying that that's accurate. Well, right, you, but. you know, and 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 that's what I said offline to you, Sean. That uh, he kind of reminds me of the Daenerys of this show. You know, <laughs> the, the the person that that seems like they're good, but they do so many terrible things that it's like, how can we say they're a hero when they do so many terrible things? And that's why I never liked Daenerys uh, in Game of Thrones. And sure enough, at the end, she 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 was a villain. While Lena Hades' character, which was uh, Cersei's, she was a villain pretty much the entire series, and and wasn't a like like pretending she was good, like Daenerys. And and not that Matthews by any means going to be a villain. Like well, this Daenerys. is the difference I see. Daenerys started out somewhat innocent and became a villain. Whereas Matthew's done all his villainous things already, he's not really doing a whole lot of villainous stuff now except for his attitude. I mean, I don't think we've seen him do anything too badly in the three seasons, have we? I mean, I think it's well, the, the thing is, most, is oh. sorry, Kim, go ahead. The, thank you. Uh, most of the things we, we when we see about how Matthew was, is bad, it's more of he was. Right, like, right. He was the executioner. He was this. He was that. But now it's. I mean, it, I mean, obviously we're we're in spoiler territory. But I mean, there's a there's a scene where he's talking to I forgot the the guys the one that was their son, quote Jack. son unquote Jack. Right. He's talking to Jack and he's explaining to him that says you know in the past we did it this way but things change. And he's, and I think now he's more and more realizing things have to change. And he, I mean, he, him, I mean, with his relationship, you know, now with a witch, he realizes, yeah, things probably should change now. And now that he's meeting other creatures, the the demons and the other witches and all that, he realizes, okay, yeah, things have to change now. You know, we can't. Because I mean, last week he said, "I will not form a scion. I will not form a scion. Right. Not destroy yeah. the." Now he's helping. Uh, he he wants. To, he, he he's in for it. He's like, okay, I, he's all for it. Okay, let's do. I mean, he's he still alerted not humans to his presence, which I thought yeah. was pretty amazing. This episode that he did that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, he now realizes that that things have to change, that the the council um, pretty much has to has to end. He says he understands why it was formed in the first place, but I think it's partially because, you know, you have corrupt vampires and witches that, you know, are in it for themselves. And so that's when he realized. And also, I mean, with the whole thing with witches losing their power, vampires can't sire, you know, they're dying out. He realizes, okay, something's got to change now or else we're all going to die, you know? And so he's, yeah, he he realizes that a lot of things have to a lot of things have to change. I think part of that though is also like he saw when he was talking to Marcus in the airport, and Marcus was like, "Yeah, you're not forgiven until you fix all this stuff." Basically, is what he said, and yeah. uh, he just walked away. And I think you saw a lot of thought from Matthew right there. You could see it in his acting and his face and everything. Um, I really liked that scene. I thought it was really good because it showed Matthew growing and Marcus becoming more prominent. Right. The thing, the thing that I was thinking uh, was, or at least in why I'm kind of not as uh, seeing Matthew as the hero, is that his actions have long-lasting effects. So a lot of the stuff that's happening now that's causing problems for everyone is decisions he made several centuries ago. And they're now coming to, you know, explode or implode, depending on your perspective. That's right? why the people that are older are the ones having the hardest time forgiving him for those things, right? Like, right. she didn't experience any of that stuff. So she's just trying to be understanding with him. And she, you know, she was getting a little upset when he was thinking about killing Jack. <laughs> and I don't think she liked that very much. Um, and I do think he gave it thought for a moment. Well, and that, that's the thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I like looking at things um, just morally and amoral and immoral, and and judging things that way, and and just common sense. And and Jack, whether he is a victim of of Fuchs or not, um, he's still um, an adult. Yeah, he's <laughs> is a, he is adult, and he still has to be punished. And even people who have mental illnesses, whether they're um, you know, because, for example, uh, Truman Capote in his book In Cold Blood talked about mental illnesses, and there's two types of mental illness. There's the ones that are recognized by the scientific community, and then there's the ones that are recognized only by the judicial and criminal community. And things like bipolar, sociopath, borderline, personality disorder, um, narcissistic disorder, all those type of disorders are not recognized by justice system or criminal system as excuses because those diseases or, or mental illnesses you still know that you did wrong so it's yeah, not like right someone that, yeah. right exactly so it's not like split personality or or something like that so those folks are guilty for doing what they did so and i'm not, i don't know what what blood rage would be considered but either way he he has to be he he is a murderer even if he was a pawn and was created that way. So he still has to be somewhat responsible. And Baldwin makes a point. Whether Baldwin's judgment of just saying to have him killed is right or wrong, that depends on, on perspective, obviously. But Baldwin is absolutely right that something has to be done with Jack. Now, Matthew, yeah, he wants to do all these changes and, and whatever and stuff. Um, but the, the problem is if two things. One, 
sometimes the person that wants to do change isn't the right person to do the change because they have too many skeletons in their closets. And Matthew by far is, is one of the, the worst <laughs> vampires as we know, because he, as, as our, our listener uh, said, Lila, that he was used as a, as a, a blood rage murderer by Philippe in the past. So he has a lot of blood on his hands, never mind what he did to create Fuchs. And second, um, by wanting to do the changes he's doing, he's causing too many things to happen way too quickly without consulting with other people. In other words, he's, he's, he's making a decision basically himself, which is, is unfortunately showing that is about to cause a lot of bloodshed. And I mean, you could actually say that even though Knox killed his wife's aunt, the actions of Matthew started the chain reactions to start the, to begin the war. Oh, so, yeah. so I, 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 I'm, I, I don't know if these changes are be, sure that it's okay to do them, but I think they're being done way wrong because Matthew is, is the wrong person to be the, the, the point. Well, it's interesting because the blood rage is, is the center of everything. If you go back to the beginning, Matthew was researching it then, you know, with all his genetic stuff and the whole thing of her power coming out, you know, scared him for what he was looking into and what kind of change was going to come. So, I mean, we always come back to this blood rage. He created Fuchs because of the blood rage. And then he let Fuchs live because he thought the blood rage would get him wiped out. And that didn't happen, which has caused what? How many other problems? So then Fuchs creates Jack, right? Into a vampire. <laughs> Yep. And then Fuchs manipulates Jack the way Matthew is manipulated by Philippe. And, it, you know, it's almost a parallel right there. Well, and, and another thing that pisses me off about Matthew is the way he treats Hubbard. Because Hubbard was the one that was basically trying to protect Jack and all this. And then he's flipping out at Hubbard yeah. for take, taking Teresa's – Teresa, I keep on saying Teresa uh, – taking Diane's blood when – in fact, it was it, he's no guilty than Diana, right? So yeah, and he why, was sa why? she was saving him by doing that. Right, right, so, exactly. <laughs> so, so if anything, he shouldn't be pissed at Hubbard. He should he, he should be take his wife and say, "Why did you do this without consulting me?" Whatever, and she could just say, "F you, I can do whatever I want." But the point yeah. is, is <laughs> well, she pretty much did that. If if I was yeah, but not until he didn't know until Hubbard brought it up. And so he's right. flipping out in front of Hubbard, and he's being rude to Hubbard. If I was Hubbard, because I'm I'm kind of a reactionary sometimes too, as 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 we all kind of can be. Yep. I would be I would be like, this Matthew guys is a is a piece of garbage. He's yelling at me. I did nothing wrong. I'm, I'm protecting Jack. His wife was the one that gave me the blood, and he's yelling at me. I, I would consider him an enemy. Not only that, they asked him to watch the kid, right? <laughs> Well, right. When they went back to the future, they said, hey, watch him. Now they're yeah, mad so he turned into a vampire because he was going to die from the plague? Come on. Yeah, that was, think, yes. yeah. yeah. Go on, go on, I was going to say that I think it's the arrogance that Matthew arrogance. has. Is, because it's his arrogance in himself and his perspective and his uh, way of seeing things 
that is causing so much problems. Even just like you were talking, I think it was you, Bear, who mentioned he's fighting with his own allies. Right. Like when they bring right. up suggestions, as opposed to saying, let's take a minute and think about this, he automatically, like, always oh, is like, no, 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 no. Well, and, 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 and it's funny, my idea. <laughs> well, and that's yeah. the thing. It, 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 he's, he's, angry at both sides of his allies, whether it's Baldwin who wants to keep everything the same or whether it's Marcus who says, well, let's do this. And he flips out at everybody. Well, I'll say this. I don't think he considers Baldwin an ally, but he should. Well, yeah, he he could, but he looks down. Could, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think he does at all. Yeah, I I don't think as Baldwin probably doesn't really see him as a real declaremont. I don't think he, you know, sees any respect towards Baldwin. So there's that rift between them. And since he was sired by Isabo, I mean, there there is right. definite rift right there. Right. Well, and that's true. But you don't have to be buddy buddy with your allies. Right. You don't have to be buddy buddy with your family members either. But it doesn't mean you have to be enemies or antagonistic either. And not only that, or Baldwin, Baldwin, or is, Baldwin is the congregation representative for all of them. Right. So you don't want to make him mad because he is that representative. Right. Especially right. when he's worked, like, as we've seen behind the scenes or whatever, worked so hard to, to save protect Matthew. them and, yeah. like, cover Matthew how many times? And there's, like, there is, right. it doesn't seem that Matthew has any sense of gratitude or understanding for just what Baldwin has done to keep Matthew and all of his transgressions, you know, he almost died, right? They they almost killed him. (laughs) And just, it's just like, you would think, and I guess it's, it's a character flaw, you know, everyone has character flaws, so it's understandable, but it just, so Matthew's character flaw to me feels like it's very much his arrogance and ego. Yeah. Yeah. And and, yeah. And like I said, reactionary and uh, what's the other word? Impulsive. 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 Yeah. 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 Okay. But that brings up my favorite scene in the whole episode is when Diana confronts Baldwin when Baldwin's going to hurt. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was the best scene of the episode. I was so, it was so awesome to see her use her power. Right. Well, and you know what's funny is that Baldwin technically was right because, and and the thing is, is that Diana didn't know what happened prior. And I think that was Baldwin should have came in a little more calm. But when you get your neck ripped apart, by some psycho i would be pissed and and so he wanted to make a point in front of matthew and unfortunately that backfired because diana had her own um snap but and he's a blood rage vampire so he's not supposed to exist anyway so baldwin was totally in the right by the rules and by what happened to him he just got attacked but this is a thing where i think another problem with the issue with matthew is it's like because yes he did he may be repentant for some of the stuff that he's done in his past but he's also not like being truly honest with diana in situations until someone else forces his hand that's true right so and so again for like if and this is i guess this is where i have a little bit of issue with the romantic aspect because it seems to like push a lot of stuff aside um it's just that fact that like he may have good in him. I'm not saying he doesn't, but there's a lot of shady stuff that's going on that like would be warning signs for like, if you had a friend in a relationship with someone like that, right. Who has those kind of aspects that you might be concerned about. And he has had them all along. I yeah. mean, she, yeah. it's surprising. She still trusts him because so much stuff keeps coming out. And yeah, I mean, he's just, he hides too much. And then 
he tries to justify it by saying something like, oh, well, it's vampire related. You don't need to know about that. Or whatever, you know? It's like, oh, sorry, you found out about that. (laughs) And his aspect of control, like, he needs to have the control, right? Like, even with Diana, just interactions, um, you know, it's good that she's strong and she's independent, right? But that it seems that in certain aspects that pisses him off because he just expects his word is the law kind of thing. Well, and, 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 you know, it's fine if they want to play certain gender roles in their relationship, but... The problem is, is he's a dink to her, just like he's to everybody else. Right. Yeah. That's the problem. You know what I'm saying? If, if he wasn't a dink to her and was more level-headed to at least his spouse, but it, it, it's, it's just weird is that whether it's her or anybody else in the show, except maybe Isabel, he, he's just a dink to, you know? So I, it's almost like it's the character rather than a gender thing or anything. You know what I'm saying? It's just... He's just. Well, has, it was like has, when I was talking. You were talking with you, Phil, about uh, Matthew uh, offline. That he kind of reminds me, like, because Matthew Good played Ozymandias in the Watchmen movie. There are aspects where I see Matthew and Ozymandias are very similar. Though I would say Ozymandias And if you've seen the movie Stoker, Ma- uh, Matthew Good played was in that too, and he was another like crazy guy in that too. So he's, he get, I don't know how he was in downtown Abbey because I didn't see that, but the three roles I've seen him play in other movies, which you said, the, the, the watchman. And then I mentioned Stoker, the, the one that was directed by uh Chan Ho Park. I think it was, yeah, I think it was. And then, and then this show here, he plays that. Yeah. Sh- shady type of guy, you know, it, and he's supposed to be the hero. And he's supposed to be the hero. In downtown Abbey, he was, there's nothing wrong with him. He was just, yeah. he was a guy that liked cars um, and just happened to fall in love with one of the main characters. And in the end, you know, they got married and he just, he had, he had no official title. He was more of a friend of a friend who had a title. And that was about it. I mean, he was a, he was a decent guy. He is he, a decent guy in, in that movie. Right, so so he's playing a completely okay. different role in, in oh, yeah. Downtown Abbey than, than, downtown. than say, it's not Downtown, it's Downtown. Is that how D-O-W-T-O-N. it's spelled? D O W. Yeah, that's how it's spelled. D O N. D O W T O N. It's not oh. Downtown. 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 Uh, how about that? I had no idea. But then again, I don't I don't watch many TV shows. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so um, so for whatever thing he's yeah, I mean I've I've never really. I, I I haven't seen Down, Downton Abbey. So out of the three, this is the first time I've ever seen him as a non-villain. And and yet he 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 shows a lot of traits that make him unlikable. See, I would say that he's not a villain in Watchmen, but that's a whole other discussion. That's a fair <laughs> point. That is a fair point. That is a fair point. Though, uh, that is a fair point. We won't, yeah, it's a different discussion. <laughs> a different discussion entirely. Yeah, maybe, maybe that'll be a Halloween boutique episode. Ooh, that, that would be a good one. Yeah, call, yeah. Me, call me for sure. Indeed. So we'll talk about that offline. Uh, but um, yeah, so here he's just becoming more unlikable, I feel. Well, I would say that, but in this episode, he did some things that I didn't expect him to do, like letting the humans know. And I feel like the tide of inertia is just pushing him forward now at this point. He really, he doesn't have control anymore. And I don't know what that's going to do to his character, but 
it's forcing him into a position where he has to give up power. His wife's yeah. more powerful than he is. Marcus is coming into his own. Things are moving, and his choices are becoming more and more limited because he's either going to have to go with Baldwin and the congregation and go against everybody he knows, or he's going to have to move forward with the Scion thing, and he's going to have to make major changes because these other vampires in New Orleans are not going to be happy with him because we know that already. So unless he apologizes in some way, I don't know how that's going to turn out. Well, I like that idea that you're touching on, Barrett, with the idea that, you know, he's having the change forced on him. And I mean, for us, all of us, I think, have difficulties uh, dealing with change. But just imagine you've been around for a few centuries and you've had it one way and then to be forced to see the world completely change around you and you really don't have any um, agency in it. Yep. And just how would you feel, especially if you were a person prone to having control and being in control uh, in whatever aspect. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to this character, because you can either rage against it or you can go with the flow. And he does not seem like one to go with the flow for me, but he did that in this episode. So it's it's going to be interesting to see if he continues that. And it's funny with each of these episodes that Marcus becomes much more likable. Or I like really like his character. I like where he's going. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin. I mean, I mean, it just no, it's okay. With Matthew, it's I think he realizes. Well, he does realize things have to change. I mean, there, there's. I mean, he he had that bit, and he's doing stuff that's saying, "All right, things are change. Things have to change," and he might be kicking and screaming along the way, but he's still going it's it's he's he's kind of like the the reluctant uh he's he's uh surrendering reluctantly you know because they even mentioned that you know matthew in the past was one of those types of guys who you know would do it this way and they said well you know we can't do that anymore and we're realizing that matthew realizes that you know which is why he hasn't he didn't kill uh the, i keep on forgetting the, the kid's name um jack, jack he didn't kill jack because even jack said you know i'm okay with 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 dying and that's you know matthew said no no you know things have to change we're going to do all we can to help you uh get through this you know you're going to have you're going to have to try and you know and matthew sets jack up with the guy that helps him control his blood rage and kind of the extent of it um you know, so i mean i i'm not i'm not anti-matthew not yet because i think he's just going through the inner struggle of okay because he's just used to having things one way and his way and now he's getting used to all right things aren't going to go that way anymore and i and, and the big thing is is just his love for diana or Diane, Diane, uh, realizing that, you know, I love Diane and I'm, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go through the change because he's seeing, he's realizing that it's for the better. It is Diana, by the way. Oh, is it Diana? Okay. Thank you. But yeah, I agree with you. I'm not off team Matthew. I mean, I still like him and I think he can come out on top, but it, it is funny how a lot of the things he did in the past are just being dismissed, you know, but you know, that's the way 
that's the way stories like this are, you know, it's in reality, someone who killed, you know, a million people or something would never be a hero, could never be a hero. But you often see something like that in stories where a character has a huge turnaround and becomes, you know, the hero from the villain. Well, at the time, though, when Matthew did kill all those people, like when he's talking about killing all those people with the blood rage, I mean, that was the council essentially saying this has got to happen. You know, the council was saying, look, anybody with blood rage has to die. And so they just sent Matthew to do it. Matthew, I don't I don't know if he I mean, it doesn't sound like he wanted to do it, but he did it anyway. Um, you know, Philippe sent him out. And because of Matthew's respect for Philippe, even though they didn't get along this the best, he still respected him as the head of the as the head of family. You know, and a lot of these things that he did. I think the problem was is that he did it because he was it was if it was expected of him and it was like what they it was culturally speaking what they did at the time um and it was in many ways it was for their self protection because remember when Matthew was talking about okay this is you know he says you know with I'm a vampire but I have a crucifix I'm a roman catholic you know I sleep, when I do sleep I don't sleep in a coffin and I walk around during the day, you know, and he talks about how they were punished and how they were uh, hunted and everything like that. And so he's essentially saying we had to hide ourselves and we had to keep ourselves hidden for our own self-protection. And so when he had somebody with blood rage killing a whole bunch of people, they realized these, these, these vampires with blood rage have to be put down because they're uncontrollable. They're going to alert the world to us and it's going to, and the world is going to go to war with us. So there there's at the time, there was nothing else for them to do except hunt down and, and, and end these people with the, these vampires with the blood rage. You could actually and say, because, I was just going to interject for a second and continue. Uh, you could actually argue that the blood rage vampires is where the, vampire mythos came from and that's why they were were hunted and and and, and became the monsters absolutely in, in fiction but yeah. uh continue kevin sorry about that well i was pretty much i was pretty much done it's essentially because i mean um like when i read you know when i read books if people like i read a lot of people criticizing characters in books or even the bible where they say, well, look at what they did back then. And we don't do that. It says that's because with the time when these texts or, you know, these pay, you know, whenever these books were, when they were written, things were much different. The, the viewpoints were different. And when people look at like a, an 18th century or a 16th century or whatever century book with 21st century eyes, you're not going to, you know, you might not agree with a lot. You're probably not going to agree with a lot of it. But the thing is, is that some of it was culture was was the culture at the time. And once you get that and once you understand the culture at the times these things were written, you know, some of the things make sense. And you and, and it's a little bit more understandable. Like I read a lot of Sherlock Holmes and there are things in there that you think, oh, that is just awful. That is just terrible. But at the time, but at the time, that was normal. And uh, and it's I don't know. It's, with Matthew, it's what he did was what the vampires and the magic or the the creature world community, whatever, needed to do to survive. 
you know, and when you look back now from a 21st century eye, eyes, you realize, oh, that's just terrible. That's just wrong. And even Matthew realizes, look, I, I regret it. I wish I didn't have to do it. I hate, I don't, I don't like that. But that's why Matthew's saying, I'm, I don't want to be that guy anymore. And he's, he's fighting not to be that guy anymore. So, I mean, what Matthew, like, remember last season when Matthew went into the past, he realized, oh no, I remember what I was like back then and I had to do this I had to do that I had to torture the person and you know all that he says he's like oh I don't want to he, he did not want to go back and do all that he did not want to be that guy again that that's all I have to say I was gonna throw something into you I don't know are you any of you guys of uh familiar with Vampire the Masquerade yeah is that a video game or something it was there was game. a video game and there was a role playing game that came out. Uh, they, it's kind of when they're talking about the how the congregation and uh, covenant stuff goes. It feels a little bit like the Camarilla, where the vampires in Vampire the Masquerade have basically different clans, and then they have a Camarilla which is to to protect them and keep the secret of the vampires existing among the humans. And so I just did like, even as we're talking here, it just, it, keep, it keeps resonating that same, out of that similar aspect, which was really cool. So I just wanted to throw out that. I so, really so, that. so, so in, in that series games, were vampires known? No, they were, they were secret, but they were like power brokers and there's princes who won't like run specific cities and there's different clans that have different powers and abilities. And then there's, uh, the Sabbat, which is against the Camarilla and their belief that like vampires shouldn't have rules and they should just do whatever they want kind of thing. And that they're the, you know, they should uh, just be free to do whatever they want because of their, the blessing of Cain. So it's just interesting to see that kind of like a somewhat similar aspect in this idea of how they have the vampires, demons and uh, witches working together you know they all have their different skill sets and powers but trying to, to work together to keep the secret of their existence gotcha gotcha interesting all right all right um are you familiar with that uh kevin because barrett seems no. to be yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean i've heard of it but and i've seen it advertised on the xbox store but uh, I, I haven't played it yeah um let's see so let, let's go down to uh another point on uh uh lila's uh email uh let's talk about set and she's a weaver did we know yeah. this Is, i don't think we knew this right i don't think we knew we well at the end of the last season didn't we we had an idea that she had more power yeah well i mean she was training uh, she went back to the woman that initially trained her, and I thought we knew she was a weaver back then. Yeah, we um, had an idea, but we just didn't know it for sure. It wasn't actually exactly. stated, I guess. Right, right? But, yeah. But we kind of – yeah, yeah. And, and well, I mean, go oh, go on, Kevin. But the, th but the interesting thing is with her as a weaver, I mean, Diana is a different – it's – what was it, those seven stages, and Diana was – able to do all seven stages where all the other weavers were only could could only do one so diana is still a very power i mean is more powerful than satu and it was the thing is we when uh the, the email earlier we talked about how 
weavers were were even hunted by witches so, and you know the council did not want to you know the council did not want weavers around so now Satu has come out to Knox who still had even though he's off the council he still has influence he can still tell other people okay Satu just told me she's a weaver and that's gonna that I, that might very well cause Satu trouble but I do like the the the, con- the 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 confrontation between the two where he was gonna he held up that stone to try to control her and she just kind of threw it out the window and Knox was scared and I th- thought that was interesting. Well, he also thought she was the actual prophesied person or whatever rather than Diana because he started calling her what was it yeah. he was calling her he was calling her that that one name. Like she was going to be the end of the vampires, basically. Right, well, I like right, the aspect right. that too that this brings up, where you have two weavers, but diametrically opposite to each other, right? Both I'm like not light, sure and dark, dim- light and dark in the aspects of how they carry themselves. Because I, I would say that Diana is far more light than Satu. Satu is far more opportunistic and opportunistic and selfish. Let, let, let's let's talk about that for a second, because I know Barrett, you want to make a, a point that everything is not black and white and there's more gray. But uh, let me start with in the, <laughs> the, the devil's... No, no, specifically in this case. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, because the two, you know, is kind of betrayed other bad people. So maybe is she going to be a good person or whatever? But let's, let's go back and do the black and white first, which is, you know, she did all those torturing and terrible things to Diana. Yep. Um, and as as Sean has mentioned, she, yeah, she's been carrying herself as pretty evil generally i mean she did rescue the the witch with no head you know with the head but again that could have been just be you know a a tribal thing you know i'm a i'm a witch and i hate vampires while deanna has been pretty much a good person from the very moment we meet her in episode one of season one and so i think that's what you mean sean now barrett i want to hear your your point about it not being as as black and white and maybe there's some gray there which sounds interesting as well I think Assuming that's yeah. what you mean, right? Yeah, I, I you you definitely have me pegged. <laughs> okay, fair enough. She, she uh, I, I wouldn't say she is like the height of evil, like a Knox. I wouldn't no, say no. she's really good either. But in in some ways, you could say that her torture of Diana helped Diana become closer to her power. Um, she also didn't want to do the torturing, even though she did. She was kind of against it. But she was told she had to. There's and she's betrayed Knox. She's ba- betrayed everyone, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she is yeah. opportunistic, but I think that it's not necessarily coming from a place of evil. Let's put it that way. Well, it could right. be selfishness but, more than than evil specifically, right? Though, 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 I could see whether that's true, Sean or not. I could still see, based off of her power, they could turn her to be the ultimate villain by the end of the show too she could go go either way is what i'm thinking yep i just like the idea because they're both weavers right and because weavers are such a a rarity amongst the witches i just like that idea of having the the you know you use it would not used to having them and to be have them both be powerful weavers at the same time Right. Of like having them come at, to be opposites of each other. It would actually behoove them to actually support each other. You would think, because, <laughs> like like the 
the letter that I read earlier, you know, she was saying that that Lila was saying that they're normally killed. So yeah. if they've supported each other, they might be able to stop that. <laughs> right, right. I, I do hope they don't go that road again, because, again, this will come back to what I was talking about in last week's episode, which is I can't stand when they take people that were villains or were villainous and they did some pretty horrible things. And then suddenly they're good guys by the end. And it's like, yeah, but they still have to be punished for what they did. Yeah, it has to be done well or else you can't accept it. Right, right. Exactly. Well, that's kind of that was a little bit about my point with Matthew is that it's kind of hard to punish him when he was doing at the time what he was supposed to be, what he was ordered to do, even by the council. So, I mean, if you have a tough time of what Matthew did, you have to because, I mean, even to even even like modern day, you know, you had Matthew was essentially ordered to kill Jack, you know, and Matthew realizing that if I go against what you know what was ordered by the council i'm i'm really i mean he knows he's been at odds with them but he never really just it it doesn't sound like he really ever disobeyed a direct order from the council itself and now he is i have to say I, i hate to bring this point up but doing things just because your society says you have to doesn't necessarily mean you're not doing an evil act yeah and people do get punished for doing those things and there have been countries that have been punished <laughs> i don't want to bring up well, I mean, specificity because no, no, that I mean, i'd be going there I, but <laughs> you're you're in many ways you're right <laughs> but my whole point is is that it's when the it's kind of hard for the entire like creature community for for the most part to want to punish uh, Matthew because he did what were the rules for the creature community. I'm not I'm not saying wantonly killing people was a bad thing. Um, no, I know exactly what you mean. I'm just saying from the perspective no. of like Phil's. Um, moral you know looking at the moral side of things he no matter what if you're just because you're following orders doesn't mean that you're in the right and you can't be punished for those things and i think well i mean well i mean yeah i I think we can go to a a certain time period you know say middle 20th century yeah uh, just before mid 20th century with this uh european uh empire that you know did stuff that was pretty nasty you know yeah you know i mean they were those those guys were quote following orders unquote but at the same time yeah but they still paid the punish they still paid the penalty because the rest of the world didn't like what we were doing too so it uh, i don't know it's no, I, I see what you're saying i, 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 I know I, you weren't yeah. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying not to defend Matthew, but at the same time, I'm just trying to give. I am totally with you. I'm not sure. Tr- yeah, I'm not trying to say I like Matthew, and I. I think this is what drives me crazy about stories in general is we're supposed to like someone who did heinous acts in the past. Right. Now they may have been far in the past, but I still know that they're there and they affect that character and my view of that character. Some people don't care at all. They read it and they're like, ah, he's just a good guy. You know what I mean? But we're right. we're trying to look at it at a deeper level and how it you know looks to us. Um, right. But I'm with you. I, I have no problem with what he did. He did it because he had to. 
I yeah, think my only thing with it was, was sorry was just the fact that like the other decisions like the stuff with Fuchs creating Fuchs is a situation then Fuchs creates the dominoes of all this other mess. Um, the fact that he and this is maybe an issue with how vampires carrying blood rage is maybe they shouldn't be going out and siring, right? That could be a question <laughs> until you can solve the situation. Because basically the situation that we will, I guess, see in the next episode with Louisiana is all because of him. Because he sired Marcus out of there, right? And then Marcus sired people who then ended up carrying the, the blood rage. And then how much of it was he didn't give the information that was needed to people. Uh-huh. And and so there's decisions being made that like maybe wouldn't have been made if he had been more forthright about things. That's just that's all of my thing. So uh-huh. yeah, he's deeply flawed. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, and, well, and yeah, and Kevin. I know you weren't, you weren't, you weren't being an apologist for no, bad deeds no, by any no. means. You, yeah. you were just being the devil's advocate, explaining a perspective based off of the council, based off of the vampire yep. history. Because, and again, it's a weird thing. Is that even if 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 Matthew, who in my opinion is a scumbag in this last episode, the worst was when he goes, "You don't know humans what they can do," and I'm thinking. Dude, oh, that was perfect, though. The way the guy but, answered him was awesome. Oh, yeah. But, but, but my point was, I, all I kept on was thinking, dude, you vampires do the same goddamn thing that everybody else does. So what are you talking about? You are the same thing. So when he said that shit, I was like, ridiculous. And so the thing is, is that it's sponsored by vampires as much as humans to to be you know you're uh philippe who you know we like philippe as a character but he said yeah we need you to go out and kill and mass murder all these people and whatever whatever we saw the alternate matthew in 1590 torturing people and drinking their blood and stuff. so it's like it's like yeah you, you know it, it to the vampire community it wasn't a big deal and and it was their rules and it was okay and whatever you know and it was only after the fact that they were they were almost like let's kill the blood rage people or vampires yeah. because it's it's actually it's it it's, might it's self interest we should kill yeah, them it's yeah. not because they, they might find out, find out about us so we've got to kill right. those guys because they're too obvious about their killing right, right. Like, exactly first off vampires are just a different kind of human yeah that has exactly. been infected with something right there, there is human. They, Exactly. So when Matthew said that, I was like laughing my ass off when I was watching the episode. And my my dog is looking at me like, "What? Why are you laughing?" You know, because it's like the stupidest comment I ever heard in ever a TV show was, "You don't know what humans can do." And it's like, dude, you're freaking human yourself, even though you're quote unquote a vampire. You can kill you personally. I'm like. Like other humans, ninety percent of humans don't do things that you have ever did, you know. So, by like, I can look down the street. My whole neighbor, everybody on my street, none of the, all the people on my street, unless they have some hidden thing I don't know about, are pretty decent people and haven't mass murdered or killed people. While Matthew's complaining about people, and he's mass murdered and killed people. So it's like, what the hell? I was so like laughing. It was like, oh, good lord. Well, you know, he helped from that. You know, he helped Isbo. Isbo. Right, her killing, she, was, she was a mass. Oh murderer. my god, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, we can forget what Isabel, my mom, did, but and what I did, but you humans. And it's like, uh, it's just Marcus's girlfriend, and it's just this person. What are you talking about, you humans? What are you talking? He's about? like, I'm well, here just trying to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> right, that right. Chris, that Chris is awesome. 
I love oh, that. Yeah, who, who did he say? Who did he say that comment to? Was it was it the the doctor or was it? Yeah, the doctor that came to help them out. They finally gave him info, right, right, right. and they're yeah. trying to convince him to tell the humans because he needs help. Two people are not enough to get this done in like a day, like you want it. Right, right, right. And he's right. still not listening. Right. He goes, you humans. It's like, oh, my God, what a jackass. That line, I come from Alabama, was fantastic. <laughs> it was awesome. All right, right. Nothing just, wrong with Alabama, you know, but every every state has issues. I, I've been to Alabama. It's a great state. But just in but, the context of what he meant. But, but, but just, what he, in the context of what he met, made, made sense. That's right. And and the thing is, is he doesn't even know the history of the vampires and what no. they've done. So right. if he had known what Isabel did or what Matthew did, he could have just thrown that in their face instead of saying Alabama, you know, but he didn't. So he threw the Alabama one and, and it shut Matthew up pretty quick because Matthew was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah. So, but he didn't say that. He just sat there quietly because he yes. can't admit he's wrong. Right. He cannot <laughs> exactly. admit he's wrong. Never mind. Admit that. Yeah, I was a bad person or a bad <laughs> vampire. I, I mass murdered. What I did to Fuchs. Was was terrible, you know. Why did he, he, he tortured was, basically the rest of his life, which will be forever. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, so I mean, he's indirectly the responsible for Jack's uh, being a, a, a bastard. Yeah, because he did what he did to Fuchs, and so Fuchs just wanted revenge. Right. You know, no matter how much of an evil bastard Fuchs was as a human, never mind as a vampire, <laughs> he created Fuchs to do what everything's happened now in London with all the mass oh. murders. It so almost like, feels like it was a half, like his, some of the half measures that Matthew takes right, are, was right. like, if he had just gone and finished Fuchs off to start, then all of the other stuff that followed wouldn't have happened. Right. 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 Well, and even then it's like, again, and, and, you know, I'm going back to the moral and amoral thing, which is, does he have the the power to decide whether Fuchs should be, be killed as a human or did he have to, or should he have gone to a, in other words, he shouldn't have, if, my, my thing is, if Fuchs is a bad guy as a human, he should have went to whatever the police are back in 1590 and had him arrested or, or to Queen Elizabeth. He was buddies with Queen Elizabeth. He could have said, Queen, we need, we need to arrest this Fuchs guy. You know, but he decided, <laughs> I'm the judge and jury, and Fuchs is bad. No matter what he did to me, I'm going to torture his ass. You know, and it, so it's like, I don't even know if he had the right to do anything to Fuchs, whether kill him in advance or do what he did in the first place, which is turn him into a vampire to hopefully that he dies in the desert somewhere. I don't, I don't know. You know, is he any better than Fuchs? He's not because technically he's not supposed to sire anybody because he's a rage vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come that's on. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, I won't say, I guess uh, it's the aspect of the hypocrisy then that uh, Matthew lives by. That's right, because the rules are one yeah. rule for you, or one uh, rule for, for me, and one rule for all everyone else. Yeah. Uh, uh, rules for you. I don't know what. How, how, what's that famous phrase? Uh, rules for thee, but not for thee. Or no, rules for me, but not for thee. Or, or rules for thee, but not for me, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so you have to live this way, but I don't have to live that way. And and I think that's that's another uh, uh, flaw in his makeup, which is yeah he just makes up his rules and it, it, things don't apply to him, but it applies to everybody else. Yep. You know? So, you know, I, you, I don't have to recycle, but you have to recycle. 
Yeah, it can be something as ridiculous as that. You know, I mean, it's just that's just how he is. I mean, it's just weird. I don't know. Uh, Diana, you can't be buddies buddies with Hubbard without coming to me first. Marcus, you can't do this until you talk to me. You know, it's like, oh, for crying out loud. You humans. It's like, oh. And he's not even the head of the family. Right, right. Baldwin, <laughs> you can't do this. It's like, why can't he? He's, 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 Baldwin, I still have to go back to the prior where Baldwin almost got executed in the council yeah. by, by Knox because of good Matthew. Yep. So it's like it's like that alone should be Matthew should be on his knees saying, I'll do anything you ask me for because I should never have done that to you and put you in that situation. And you saved my ass. You know, so he did know. kneel to Baldwin, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. But I mean, really, Neil, like, like, as in like, like Baldwin, I, I have your back. I have your back. So after this episode, I was like, "Yeah." Well, once Jack flipped out and bit him, it's like, "All right, that's it." I'm, I'm, I'm with Bob, and he can be a dunce. But what, what did Lila call him? He called him an ass or something. But honestly, I, I mean, based off of what I'm seeing, he may be an ass, but Matthew may be more of an ass. I don't know. I'm, I hope we're not pissing off our listeners. I was going to say, I just hope that, like, again, my perspective on Michael or Matthew, sorry, uh, is not doesn't have to be anybody else's, and like, it's just right, my right. feeling on the aspect of it. So, right, if you enjoy right. Matthew, I like love him. him. I like him, but he needs to do something to kind of redeem his character. He's got a few too many chips on his shoulder, and you know, it's going to take some work for them to make him a little more likable. I think. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, obviously, if, you know, you're into the romance part of the, the, the story, or whatever, you, you know, you're gonna like Matthew, and we're supposed oh, to like him as a character. Like he doesn't treat Diana right. Which is well, another thing I don't that, like that, about that, him, that, yeah. That, that's, well, that's I mean, a, I mentioned this last week, is his, I mean, Diana is listening to all these things that Matthew has done, and she's still in love with them and i'm thinking to myself you know if i was <laughs> if i was with some woman she said oh a few years ago i just killed a whole bunch i killed a whole bunch of people but don't worry i'm not like that anymore and you'd be like <laughs> i'm going I'll, I'll be right i'm gonna go to the store i'll be right back and then just take off and never <laughs> see her again i, I don't know that that's just kind of yeah, that's that's a fair point. It's it's, it's I, I, yeah, I, I yeah, maybe it was you, Kevin. I, I was talking to you earlier in the week too, offline, and and you, we were talking about that as well. And and I was like, you know, it's it's actually I mentioned it last week on our episode, right, where I said uh, the town that movie where Ben Affleck's yep. character yeah. and Rebecca Hall's character, yeah, 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 right, right, and and she was in love with him, and it's like. But, but but he he he's he's shooting guns in downtown Fenway Park and all the it's it's what he's a bum. I'm not I, directly I know, seeing that though. So I know I, I know you can't you can't <laughs> control who you love I guess. But I, well, look at all the groupies for serial killers in courts. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. there are people for everyone. <laughs> but 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 when you watch when you're when you're following when you're following characters in in a fictional. I scenario know. unless unless they're over the top crazy like Cersei's and and I, I'll say I love Cersei's as you know Barrett even hey, her brother her. loved her too I, 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 I hated her I hated her the first couple of seasons I hated her but, oh. but then when she went psycho I was like this is fun you know it's just a TV show so it was fun but 
Are there any characters that I'm supposed to like that are, like, you weren't necessarily supposed to like Cersei's, uh, except as a villain, but, like, if Luke Skywalker was like this, I'm like, I don't, I, I don't like this guy. You know, I, 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 I used that Not Melrose heroic. <laughs> Yeah, right. I used the Melrose Place example last week, too, where the doctor tried to murder a character, and then the, you know, he was a good-looking guy, and all the, the women who watched the show no disrespect to uh, that audience, but that's that's what I read. Um, like that character, so they said, "Oh, you know what? He's bringing in, drawing a large crowd. Let's keep him on the show." And they made him a, a full time cast member for the last like four seasons, which was fine because he was a great character. But they pretended that he wasn't a murderer or attempted murderer, and, you know. And it's like, I, so even four seasons later, I still it's hard to like him because I remember what he did five seasons ago, you know. Right. So it's it's just strange. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know where I'm going. But it's. 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 Yeah. I. I don't know. They're, they're kind of. They're. They're kind of making me lose faith in Matthew. Kind of. Sort of. Sort of. Well, touching on that aspect of the the uh, situation with Diana, it feels. And again, this is just my feeling or thoughts on it. Is there are times where it feels like it. There are hints of an abusive or controlling relationship aspect with Matthew and Diana. Mm-hmm with how Matthew conducts himself and it's in real life, people get into these situations and, you know, it's hard because the person who's tends to be the abuser tends to be very good at masking things and explaining away things. So, you know, if I get into check, the only thing that wants me to pull that away from the relationship between him and, and Diana is, that is how he is with everybody in the show. Obviously it should be different because it's his wife and, and it is also someone of a different gender. So it always goes back to the stereotype of an abusive husband or, or mentally abusive husband, but the character is that way with everybody. He's that way with Baldwin. He's that way with Marcus. He's that way with every human. He's, he's that way, you know? And so I, I just think it's a straight, and it has nothing to do with, and, and Diana just happens to be the unfortunate one that married him. But it, whether yeah. she was married to him or not, I, I think he, he's just that way with everybody. Which is just a scary thought as well, because like that is not a healthy situation to be involved in, no matter right. how much you love someone, right? Well, so. right. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the reason why I'm, I'm trying to pull it away from uh, an abusive marriage, because, you know, we could go down that political, you know, uh, or, or social, uh, you know, thing for forever and talk about it. But unlike a news article where they talk about something like this, we, we get to see Matthew as a character on screen uh, interact with everybody. Right. And he's just a dink to everybody this season. He's just like nuts. He's, he's, he's like you said, he's impulsive. He's, he's reactionary. He's egoistic. He's rules for the, but not for me. Um, he, he's, he's, breaks he's trying to be the be the the, i don't know he's just you know he he's breaking all the rules because it's okay for him to break all the rules and i'll even go back to saying is he the right person to do that well and i I think he's always been that way in all the seasons too yeah it's not it's not not new he's just always been that way yeah sorry barrett i was just gonna say i just i wonder if this is actually what they intended (laughs) 
more of like this is just you know this is what we're taking from it but they meant something else entirely yeah. in their yeah. their um present presentation or whatever so and, and how is it in the book too i would be curious uh, and you know we have listeners that could give their perspective and send emails in and let us know if we're taking the character reading it wrongly because we're reading it wrongly or is it a flaw in the character's development in the show or is that how it is in the book i mean we would love to hear what people that have read the book or or just have watched the show think of matthew because it appears that matthew is is the most divisive character of everybody on the show which is kind of interesting yeah you know um causes the most drama i think because he pisses the most people off (laughs) yeah yeah but as I was mentioning with you, uh, Phil, it almost feels like, you know, how we joked about with the showrunners with the Stand miniseries from last Ugh. year about Ugh. how Harold, Harold was the protagonist. How? Right. <laughs> how? Yeah. Yeah. I will live in infamy forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to keep bringing it up, Phil. I apologize. But oh, it's, just, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. It's, it's just rotten. It really is. Yeah, yeah, that that's on my worst for for 2021 for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's a fair point. We were talking about that offline, where whereas you know the the showrunners of that show, The Stand from Paramount Plus CBS, now they 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 changed the whole book completely, the source material, whatever. We, me and Barrett, you read the source material as you did Kevin, Kevin as well. I'm I mean, sorry, uh, <laughs> Sean. That's what I meant to say. I'm sorry, Sean, because you were the, you were the one that um, wanted us to talk about the original miniseries and brought you on but um that that was was just a total trauma trauma to all of us so i'm curious if (laughs) if matthew's character is being uh written into the show um um by what's the word i'm looking for uh unjustly being filmed wrongly in the show you know, I don't. I don't know. Is is he really this irrational in 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 the book, or 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 is he not even irrational? And we're just over exaggerating our shock of his behavior. I, I I don't know. I don't feel like we are, but you know, other people definitely have different views. I'm sure. Okay, so so if we're not, if we're not, then the question is, is he being written this way unjustly? And he, and he should be written a different way, where he's more sympathetic and less irrational and emotional and egoistic. Or is is this this kind of how it is in the book too? I don't know. Maybe one of our listeners that have read the book will give us a hint, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because I'm beginning to worry that that we're sounding a little too negative, and 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 that some of our listeners have said, "All right, we're done. These guys are jerks." Yeah, you know, which could be possible, but it's not our intent, you know. I mean, that's definitely not my intent. I like I said, I like Matthew generally, but I think that his character has some flaws that are really coming out now, even more than they did before. I like that it makes us talk about it too, though, right? It gives us an opportunity to. Matthew is Matthew understands his flaws, but the thing is, is that it's also at the same time it seems like he's trying to not be that person it well it's that's obviously he's trying not to be that person anymore so yeah. and you know right. i that that's just 
what it seems like to me. So, I mean, it's, and I, I guess if you, it's a different perspective if you've, if you if lived for a few centuries, you know, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, you know, 500 years ago. Okay. You know, you did that, but you're obviously not that guy anymore. So, you know, I'll, I'm willing to kind of let it go. I, I don't know. I mean, that's, it, I don't know. <clears throat> it sounds ridiculous to say that, but you know, who knows? Well, like, it, it, think, oh. it, it's what we talked about last week, which is, you, you know, you have to accept uh, the suspension of disbelief or the world that was created. So that's why we can accept Darth Vader at the end of Star Wars is a is a good guy because he, you know, saves the day and he, he redeemed himself. He redeemed himself. Yeah. He be forgiven well, now. Yeah. Well, only one person. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, we, we can, we can go with that. Uh, Kevin because of of the show so i i can go with you agreeing that yeah you know we we can you know overlook some of those those things uh you know based off of what we see um i gotta confess if i was in that room of scientists and says oh okay you know here's a vampire and then he says oh yeah and you know if they realize that oh yeah matthew was responsible for the death of how many hundreds of people um i'd be like ah do i really want to be on this project <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. I, guess that's a, I think that's a once you're in the project you're in yeah. <laughs> I, I would be the tap to, to, to report them to the police for cold cases you know from 100 years ago that that were never solved it's like oh i think i found well, the, it, here. the funny part is is this is you've all signed a non non-disclosure agreement it's like yeah. Oh yeah, you know, and I'm gonna go. I, I, well, I mean, if they're doing that type of scientific work, fine. But then when they, if they ever realize that, you know, Matthew is responsible for the deaths of people, it's like not disclosure agreement or not. I'm going to the police. Right. Well, well yeah. I mean, that's that's what you know. Harvey Weinstein's Weinstein's victims have to do too. Signed a, a disclosure agreement, but but you know, right. Rose McGowan said, "F you," you know. So so yeah. I don't I, think a non-disclosure agreement can cover an illegal act. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. The only other thing I was going to throw in, and this uh, again, a nod to you, Kevin, because you bring up some good points, is. Uh, Matthew's character can be an ass as a person, like his personality type is he can be an ass, but he can also genuinely want to repent or change. Those two can be both active at the same time and be possible, right? Because, yeah. I mean, he, your personality and your intentions don't always have to be tied together. Right, right. Yep. Right. But but I'll, I'll say this. He definitely isn't the type to have PTSD. You know, a lot of people who've done terrible things have mental breakdowns because <laughs> they just can't deal with what they've done. You know, Matthew seems like he can sleep quite quite well at night, not worrying about it. Or you could argue that at that cause that he's already suffered it. And that's how he, that's why he is the way he is. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a fair point. He's damaged. Yeah. Because of his own demons haunting him. No, no pun yeah. intended. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. That's a really good point, Kevin. I mean, uh, Sean. I keep on screwing up Kevin and Sean. Like, Jesus, I don't know what's going on here. Um, Are we the farthest north? The farthest north, or no, no, I'm I'm further north than than, than both Barrett and uh, Kevin actually. So, um, 
you're the only one that's further than me, I think. Yeah, just by. Uh, I think Kevin's the furthest south. Yeah, yeah. I think, oh, is I think, he? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah. I'm like yeah. on the border between north and south. And east and west, actually. Oh, wow. That's, okay. Well, that's why we have the big arch in St. Louis. Where we were right, the right. gateway to the west. But then the thing yeah, yeah, is that the you're, you're one of the so center. The border, but then the, the southern border of uh, Missouri was the, uh, the, the line of the Missouri Compromise that Okay, any any states underneath this line can be slaves, or any state above the above this line can be can can be uh, non-slave. But Missouri, even though it's above that line, they can be slaves. They can have slaves. Like we were one of the few. Uh, Missouri was one of the few uh, slave states that uh, that fought for the North. Okay, yeah. There was like one or two others, but Missouri was the one that's known. The, I, I have some. I, I know some weird, some really bad stories about that, but. Well, either either way, the, the point anyway. was that, that you were you were the further south, yes. yes. Um, so uh, back to a bit. My bad. No, no, that's that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, well, there was something I wanted to bring up uh, related to this episode that I completely forgot because we we're talking about all these other interesting things, which is kind of unfortunate. I was hoping to bring it up. Eh, it is what it is. I mean, I have to admit, one of the scenes, the, the two scenes I liked were, like I said, was Satu with Knox. Because one of the things, I mean, I mentioned that to you offline today as we were watch, as we were watching the show where Satu giving Knox a hard time saying, you know, you and Gerard, uh, Gerard uh, whatever, uh, the other guy. Uh, Jabo. 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 You know, power hungry men. And I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, no, you're not a guy, but you seem pretty power hungry yourself. (laughs) But the thing is, is just when, you know, Knox, well, this is also the first time I think, no, no, I I take that back. This is, I mean, the first time Knox was scared because, you know, Satu, you know, threw threw back his, uh, you know, threw the, the little thing that had power over her threw that out the, the window. talisman out the window the talisman out the window and he realized okay i'm up against something strong and then when uh you know i said when diana unleashed her because we rarely saw diana really we haven't really seen diana do magic that i mean she didn't she didn't do anything last last episode no uh, now, yeah yeah last season you mean yeah she did the fire the big fire. Oh yeah, she, she did the. I mean, she did the water thing with the the flowers and all that. But I mean, in this, oh, right, right, right. she actually used her power against somebody out, you know, outside, kind of this inner circle, and that freaked him out, you know, because I mean, all of a sudden, okay, Diane, I mean, this is this is when people understand. This is when Diana just showed everybody in the present day that she's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. All right. You right. know and. and you know, and that is that that was, you know, it's going to I have a feeling that's going to come. It's not going to come back and bite her, but it's going to be something that, you know, people well, are going to. Rem- you know what? It could also have been a way for the showrunners or, or, or just a, the story itself to show that both Satu and Diana are that powerful and yeah. that maybe there's going to be a showdown between the two of them at the end. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know. So that's what I'm thinking they may be going. I'm thinking that you know, you know, and it's like Game of Thrones, right? Where where Game of Thrones was quote unquote, you know, the the men were 
you know, you're more, you're just another man that wants power. But in that show, it was all the women, right. That, that were the powerhouses and the, the ones that were controlling stuff a lot. And, and the, the big showdown at the end was, was even though there's a Jon Snow, you, you still had Cersei's and Daenerys and the queen of the North and all these other stuff. So I'm thinking here, even if that statement was obviously gender, um, dynamite it's it kind of turns out that that maybe at the end it's going to be the two witches that are weavers that are going to be the ones that are going to determine everything and 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 the the fight and the violence so i don't know just a guess well i mean the the question is is well i mean i i might actually see if i can get on on audio the three books they all sold series. Oh, I remember. I do remember. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting uh, to see how it goes. I mean, I'm assuming, you know, uh, Lila actually mentioned that, and, you know, she probably knows not too much about what the f- final episodes will be, as as we really don't either. But based off of what she said, they, they're kind of not stuff, but they're still falling well. So we may get a general thing that isn't going to be completely different than the books at the end. I don't know. I, I did want to mention this too. I'm thinking another I- issue with season three, even though it's really good. Let me rephrase it. Another issue with Matthew, not with season three, is in the prior seasons, especially season one and mo- mostly in season two, too, Diana was the lead. Diana was like a lead, and, and, and Matthew was more like a, a secondary lead. Well, so far in season two, three, Matthew's been the kind of lead. And I don't know if I'm liking that. I kind of like focusing and following to Diana's story. And now we're kind of more following Matthew over Diana. And, yeah, and Diana's like, like a secondary was, character. Going yeah, I've first. always felt like it was her story, really. Yeah. and And so now it's like... Like everything's Matthew, and she's just the character in the background, trying to, you know, you know, like what about the children and you know our kids and other stuff, which is fine, but it doesn't fit with the narrative of the first two seasons where she was the lead. I felt. Am I wrong to think that? She, what, what do you think, uh, Kevin and Sean? Since Barrett kind of agrees with me that she was kind of like the it was her story and the lead in the prior two seasons. No, I can see that. that, Oh, sorry, Kevin, go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. Please go ahead. Um, Yeah, no, I was just going to say that, yeah, no, I can see an aspect for sure of where it's kind of shifting from being Diana's story to then now we're engulfed much more in what Matthew's story is. It can always swing back. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's very possible. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, no, I can totally uh, see where you're coming from on that, Phil. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think that this is, I think these, these, these uh, episodes with Matthew is almost like chapters out of a chapters out of the book. And then we're going to go back to, to focusing on Diana. It's just, it's, it's just, the thing is, is that the topic now is the vampires. I mean, this is what we've been facing is that, okay, we have a conflict within the vampire, within the vampire group about you know, the blood rage and what are we going to do? And now we realize we're going to do a full scion. I mean, if we're still focusing on Diana, none of that is really would be the focus. 
And I think what they're doing is that because of Diana, they realize that, all right, we have to do a new scion now. And so that has to focus more on, on Matthew and his family, you know, in order, and they're doing this mostly because Diane is expecting twins and um, they want to protect the twins. They want to change the way things are done. They want to um, essentially stop the council. They realize the council has outlived its usefulness and they have to, you know, they have to start changing. And so Matthew has to be at the, Matthew has to be, I wouldn't say at the forefront of it, but as far as the vampires go, Matthew does have to be on the forefront mm -hmm. of it. So that's why we're focusing more on Matthew uh, rather than Diana. So I don't know. And just, just a FYI, I, I, from Audible, I just got all three books. And so hopefully I'll, <laughs> I have to got a lot of listening to do if I'm going to keep up. So I know what's, what the, what's going on with the books in comparison with the show. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know you, you are apt to do that. Um, uh, and, and I wouldn't mind doing it too, uh, though it is three, three books um, to catch up on, but obviously we, I won't have time to do it until post uh, season three uh, epilogue. Um, yeah, and that's the problem is that I don't know. I mean, I don't want to go in on book three because I know there's going to be enough changes from book in book one and two that I don't know if I'll be able to. to I don't know if I'll be able to catch up, and that's just it. So sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember talking about um, Game of Thrones with folks, and you know, major characters like uh, the Griff and the stone heart lady or whatever the hell her name was. And, you know, those characters are wiped out completely. And then Tyrion's um, friend, uh, the, the girl, uh, she's taken completely out of the book and uh, I mean, out of the show too. So, so there's a lot of changes. So I could see that happening maybe here too, where you're, you're reading book three and then, and they're talking about stuff that happened in book one and two that weren't on the show. So that could, could always be, a confusion so that makes that's a fair point yeah that's why i've been that i mean i i got them but i might turn them back in you know and go for something else just because it's yeah. it's it, it, it's too i i don't know if i can do the whole thing at, at once so i uh we'll see right right Um, anything else you want to discuss? Uh, did we miss anything? Um, did we want to talk any further about Baldwin? Uh, I was going to bring, bring up the very end where, um, they ask if anyone has any questions, everybody raises their hands. I really like that. That was a fun one. Yeah. Kind of a cool scene. Oh, oh, you mean, mean the, the student, student biologists or, or scientists? Yeah, yeah, that they're going to have working on the project. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I don't know. Is that is it? Isn't it? I don't. I don't know if I would feel. I would feel it was. It's irresponsible to let people know about vampires, demons, and witches. Because, for example, when I always bring this up, there was a, there was a the movie Signs by M Night Shyamalan, Mel Gibson, and, and whatnot, and there's a scene 
where his two children, Mel Gibson's two children that are, are watching TV and they want to record over the little girl's dance recital because they need a VHS tape to record what's on the news. And the, the little boy says, you don't understand. This changes everything. Everything we know is completely different than what we knew before because, you know, now there's aliens or whatever. We have to record over the, the VHS tape. And, of course, the little girl says, I don't – it's my dance recital. And it was, so it's funny. But the point is, is if I suddenly found out there was demons, witches, and vampires in the real world, I I think I would have a nervous breakdown because my whole world and what I thought, thought it was is completely changed now and altered forever. So I would think you would have to vet people really well before you can just say, let's tell these people. I don't know. I don't think there are students necessarily, though. I think there are other scientists that they got brought on board probably Probably fresh ones. I thought they were students. I thought. Yeah, I swore he said they would have to get our students. Yeah. Mm. Uh, But either way, student or not, you still have to vet them. I would think. Yeah. Maybe they did that. They just didn't explain it. Yeah. 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 In my mind, that they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the book, it probably explains it much better because, you know, but in TV, it's like, do we really want to waste a whole episode of how they're choosing people, you know, 15 minutes <laughs> of where they're interviewing each, each scientist? It's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Especially when we only have seven episodes. So that that's probably just a nitpick. But it was just something of interest that I wanted to bring up. Um, I do wish they had gotten 10 episodes rather than seven, but maybe they thought the story fit into seven better. I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird series. Well, first of all, it's British, and and not that that's weird. But my point is, is that a lot of British <laughs> television and European television, they have like, well, I, I don't want to speak. It, I, I shouldn't say it generally, but I've heard and I've seen the shows that I've watched on Netflix that are foreign shows from Europe, and considering Britain part of Europe, uh, is that they're usually six episodes per season. You know, yeah, we did that's we did common. That for, yeah, it's very common, right? So um, this show here is, is a little different because because season one was eight, season two is ten, and season three is seven. So yeah. it's like, what 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 is it? You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> weird. Um, yeah, but I'm looking at it's weird too. Is that I'm looking at the uh, average UK viewers. Season one had 1.28 million, and I don't know if that's per an episode. Um, while season two only had 0.34, so 344,000. So there's a huge drop-off. So maybe they had enough people to hold on for season two, I mean season three, but they didn't want to, if if the drop-off is that huge, maybe it was probably best to shrink it to seven. Maybe that's what it is. Because I'm looking here now on on average episodes. Yeah, so that's on average. So season two had had terrible viewership, which is kind of odd since it got pretty good reviews. Yeah. Um, yeah the, the season finale of season two had 0.97, which is, would be 197,000 views. Uh, this is UK only, obviously. We're not talking about other things. But that's not, that's not obviously that good compared to, say, season one, where it was 1.2 million people p- per episode. Yeah, so I don't know what happened. Hmm. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So this one here, uh, for at least in the states, 
um, is going to be going on until February 22nd or no, February 18th. I'm sorry. And that's season. So episode seven. So yeah, I have no idea why they only have seven episodes um, compared to the prior two seasons. Hmm. If anybody knows, just listen. Please let us know. We would like to hear your thoughts and and, and what you've heard, if you've heard anything. Uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up? I was going to say it was a fun episode. I really enjoyed what they the the many strands that they gave us to to follow uh, along the way, and I uh, like even just from going from episode one to two this season of the situation with Fuchs, where it was implied that Fuchs is the one who's doing the rage killings, the rage blood killings, and then you find out, no, actually it's Jack. So I thought that was kind of a, a nice, you know, kind of slate of hand there in that in that aspect of the story. So Yeah, yeah, I, I was I was completely shocked. I was um, too, yeah, it was a good good reveal. Well yeah. do you do you think that it that uh, Fuchs probably could have done at least some of them but made uh, Jack think that he did it? They could go that route, but I don't know. It seems like Jack, yeah, 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 you could be right. I mean, it's always a possibility. It's always a possibility. I mean, it's just a thought. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to it, it's kind of hard to um, really justify it. But I mean, because I mean, Fuchs just seemed to be that seems to be that vindictive that that could be something he would do. If if he was able to, yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't seem out of character for him. That's for sure. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it it doesn't seem out of character at all. Um, but it makes that that sequence at the end of the first episode when he is leaving that room all that's been just massacred, and yeah, and then like it almost makes it him even more evil <laughs> because if it was jack that had done the murder and then he's just taking that much pleasure out of watching his weapon uh you know just cause so much damage right right so uh, it's it's just and, and the actor who's playing him is doing a great job of, of fuchs yeah 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 he's he's, he's a good actor um for sure actually the, the whole cast is pretty solid yeah. um i, I still I, I like uh Domenico, the best. I think he's my favorite character. I don't know why. Something about him. It's cool. He's ambiguous. Yeah, we're I just think. not getting enough of him this season. I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping he gets a bigger role later because uh, he, he's 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 an interesting character. He's, he, the, I don't. I mean, he could be an opportunist. He puts his finger up in the air. He's playing everybody against everybody. You know, he's like the Baelish of, of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. He's very Machiavellian yeah. in, in how he, he plays his role, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Because he's willing to use everybody to get his own ends and yeah. play them off of each other at doing it. So. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of. He doesn't work outward. Like, he doesn't, like, he always, he's much more behind the scenes doing that. Well, that's to, that's why I like I like I think I like his character better than Satu's character because he's behind the scenes while Satu I think is gonna come right out and and go nuts. 
and and I like the ba- the person in the background that's kind of like a, the Baelish being a little stinker in the background, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're kind of fun those type of characters. So yeah, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, anything else anybody want to bring up? I also like the. Uh, oh, sorry. I was going to say I just like the use of the massive attack song at the end. The, that was that was a great song. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a good ending song. I like that one. Yeah, I concur. That was that was good. Yeah, and it was memorable too. I I, yeah. I, I had to look that one up immediately. I said, "Oh, I got to look that song up." That's a good song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent point, Sean. Excellent point. Uh, anything else? Anyone? All right. All right. I think we're we're pretty much wrapped up uh, for. This discussion. Hopefully, we didn't go off the rails. Um, because, but again, we want to be fair. You know, usually we're we're very positive and 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 on board all the all the way. But you know, that's what the point of podcasts are and, and discussions is to talk all things out, even things that may irk people in a way. And you know, Matthew's character is an interesting character. I mean, he's he's. He's a good character. He's supposed to be a hero, but he—he's one of those characters that can rub folks the wrong way. If you—if you really boil away, you know the the quote-unquote things that you're supposed to like about him. And so we're just talking a little bit about that, I think. Yep, exactly. Um, because because he really was become the focus of this season. So I think we're we're gonna have a, have to talk about a lot of stuff that he, going on with him uh, in the upcoming episodes too. Um, unless, unless they decide to switch back to focus more on uh, Deanna, but we'll, or Diana, we'll, but we'll figure that out as uh, episode three comes out. Um, now this episode uh, probably won't come out. We're recording this, oh, by the way, on January 16th, 2022, which is Sunday, uh, but it won't come out until Tuesday because the, like I said last week, um, where we released them mostly on Monday, unless there's a holiday. And since tomorrow there's a holiday, uh, at least in the States, uh, that myself and Barrett have off, um, because me and Barrett work together, so we, our company uh, has it off. Um, I won't be near my computer to edit. Um, and uh, I usually edit, which basically means just listening to the podcast to make sure the sound quality is correct while I'm, I'm working. And so since I'm not working tomorrow and I'll be with my family, I won't be editing. In other words, listening to this podcast in the background. Uh, so um, by the time people hear this, it'll be the 18th. But the next week episode should come out on uh, January 24th and uh, then January 30th and so on. Uh, as long as, there, again, there's no uh, holidays um, to push it back to Tuesday. Uh, and we're going to be consistent try to be as very consistent as possible, which is to get all episodes out on Mondays. So two days after the airing of the show on uh, the U S networks. Now uh, I forgot to ask you this, Sean, Uh, uh, for you, uh, where, where where do you watch it in Canada? So I watch it on AMC plus through Amazon. Okay. Okay. That's how I have to do it. So I wanted to say something related to that, because I think AMC, if you get a subscription to that, you automatically get one to Shudder, I've been noticing when I look at that now. Okay. 
Oh, that could be possible. But either way, um, this show is on all three stations, AMC, Sundance, and Shudder, which are all owned by the same company. Yep. So, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. Um, and, um, myself and Kevin and Barrett, I know we all get it through, uh, uh, Shudder. Shudder. Yep. And you know, it's interesting in the UK, I believe they actually had a drop, uh, all in, at, at once. Like like Netflix, where where people could binge it, mm. because on Facebook on the the Discovery, which is one of the Facebook groups that I'm in, uh, people in the UK are saying, "Yeah, I already watched it. I'm already depressed that it's all over or whatever." But um, it appears that yeah, they can they've binged it. So any anybody in the UK that's listening to this, you want to uh, email us and let us know how it is over there with uh, the viewership. If if it was just dropped as all seven episodes at once and you got to binge it or not. Uh, I'd be curious to know. Uh, so that's pretty much it. So uh, I guess we'll uh, give our final thoughts on the episode uh, in general. And um, we didn't do that at the beginning because we just went right into the conversation through uh, Lila's email. Uh, and then once again, thank you uh, to both uh, Lila and Debbie for uh, emailing us uh, tonight. Uh, we appreciate it. And I uh, hope to have uh, any more emails you guys want to send in or uh, anybody else that wants to send in emails, we'll read your emails on the podcast. Um, so I'll start uh, my final thoughts on this episode. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I like this episode a whole lot. Um, it was really good. It was one of the stronger episodes um, of, the, of the series, I felt, uh, as well as, as just a, a great episode itself. Um, it made me, um, if anything, the show is making me change um alignment with characters pretty easily uh you know after this episode first episode i was hating baldwin and liking matthew after this episode i love baldwin and and not as as much a fan of matthew and stuff so so it's it's really uh making it like a pinball or bouncing balls where making me fall all over the place each episode to determine who I like and who I don't like. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be liking Diana straight through. Um, but every other character I, I could probably change in a heartbeat based off of one action they do. And uh, this episode surely uh, made, made that happen for me. Uh, so uh, I kind of like that aspect of the show because it's really making me, um, um, root one way and then say, Oh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it a little wrong. So uh good episode. Uh, high recommend. Uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Yeah. I really like this episode a lot as well. Um, I was a little disappointed in Matthew, but I won't say that I dislike him or anything. Um, I'll still probably continue not to like Baldwin. <laughs> He's not my favorite. Um, but the episode had a lot of good reveals. Um, the tension was really good. There were some great magic scenes, and there was some comeuppance that I think was well needed for, like, Knox and Baldwin. All right, sounds good. Uh, Kevin? Yeah, I'm a lot with Barrett on this one, um, because I'm maybe I'm not, I'm not exactly a team anybody except maybe Team Diana. Um because really, this is, I mean, the show is still mostly about her, uh, as we were pointing out earlier. And both Knox and Baldwin are not for Diana. I mean, they, they're really not. Uh, Knox is threatened by Diana's power. He, he 
I think he's he's probably the one that you know had had Diana's family killed. Um, you know, he's the one who had Satu torture her. So you know, Knox. I mean, it's obviously Knox has never been a good person, but with Baldwin though, Baldwin is not has never been very favorable towards Diana. He may not understand what how much of a threat she is potentially to the council. I mean, he understands she is, but it's more. To, it, but Baldwin has never been very favorable towards Diana, and especially when now Diana and Matthew are now husband and wife, he's really not happy about it. And then when he also found out that Philippe said, "All right, this is fine," and I mean, when Diana went to dinner that that one night, you know, when he said family only. I'm sure he reluctantly, I mean, I'm sure he realized, okay, Dinah has to come because of Philippe, but uh, he wasn't happy about it. So, you know, I, I think that as Barrett said, yeah, he did get his comeuppance and Diana just showed, um, showed him that he's a force to be reckoned. She's a force to be reckoned with and he better not mess with her. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's go with you, Sean. Uh, yeah, uh, really great episode. Really enjoyed it uh, from the start to the ending. Uh, enjoying the different questions the characters are causing us to think about or question about. Um, I just enjoyed the pacing and uh, it, it feels, it doesn't feel like there's a dull moment that you're watching it. Like it's, it's going, going, going. There's always something happening, but it doesn't feel um, out of place or like, rushed so i just really i really enjoy it and uh, i'm really interested to see where we're gonna go all right sounds good uh so uh once again that was our uh kind of sort of review of season three episode two uh where we discussed uh more character traits than specifics into the episode uh but i think it was pretty good discussion i enjoyed it um anybody has thoughts please email us at dark discussions at aol.com or go to darkdiscussions.com and at the top in the menu there's a, a thing that says contact us press that it opens up a box just like an email and you can email us that way too we will read your emails on the podcast um we will be back uh, again uh, next week for episode uh, three of season three, which is kind of crazy because we're that's we're getting close to halfway mark already because it's only a seven season episode. Uh, we will um, have that episode out hopefully or hopefully I should say on the twenty fourth. Uh, also, uh, look out for potential additional episodes, including obviously a series finale episode where we will talk about the entire series. Um, we will have a couple episodes, uh, hopefully with interviews with people related to the show. Um, so, uh, look for those as well. Uh, we'll keep people up to date, uh, as, as we get more detail and, um, we are found anywhere podcasts are found, especially on, uh, darkdiscussions.com, but also on two feeds, both the discovery of witches, demons, and vampire feed, as well as, uh, the Dark Discussions podcast feed. Uh, the episodes are on both feeds wherever podcasts are found. Um, all right, so uh, that's pretty much it. So once again, uh, we can, uh, I guess, uh, filter out for tonight. So uh, Barrett, why don't you lead us out?
Thanks again for joining us on a discussion of witches, demons, and vampires. Join us again next week for episode three.